good morning, church. How are you today? Everybody doing well? My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. We're so thankful that you are with us. I shared with the first service that song, Lord, I Need You. It takes me back. It takes me back to when we had our first baby. Anybody remember that feeling of being completely and totally overwhelmed, not knowing what to do at all? Anybody? That particular song, uh, our first, she was colicky. She would just stay up all night just crying, break your heart. So I'd go into a room, and I would sit in a little rocking chair, and I'd hold her, and I'd sing that song over her and over me. Lord, I need you. Do you need the Lord this morning? Well, I'm glad you're here. We're in our sermon series called The Journey. Last week, if you remembered, we talked about God's plan for your life. And we interchange the word will and plan. Will sometimes seems mysterious, but I can work a plan. And I pray that that message was a blessing for your life. We went over those five things for you to move forward in and living out God's plan for your life. He has a perfect plan for you. And I want everybody in this room to realize that and live out God's plan for you. But today, we're going to be discussing the topic of prayer. Is prayer that big of a deal along the journey? Is, is prayer or should prayer be a part of my life in the journey? And I want to pose a question and I want everybody in here to participate with me. You got it? Okay, here's the question. How many in here wish that their prayer life was more consistent and more vibrant? Anybody own that? Hold your hand up. I want everybody to look around in the room, you're, you're in a company where people admit this, right? You admit it. I, I wish my prayer life was more consistent and more vibrant. We'll, we'll all say that that should be elevated in our life. Or maybe this is you this morning. I wish I had a prayer life at all. Because we've been taught in church or, or we know we've heard in connect group or life group that the prayer is a big deal. And we all understand that, that we, we could always do better, but, but I want you to hear me this morning. This is, not, this is not a guilt message. This message is not to guilt you into praying. It's to teach you how important prayer is in your life. So, so please don't think, oh my goodness, for the next 30 minutes he's going to guilt me into praying. That's not at all the case. But we do need to understand that each one of us could elevate our prayer life. And that's a good thing to realize that in our life. And, and I want to do something with you, church, if you'll humor me for a little bit. I, I want to I take us back to the New Testament, to the life of Jesus. Can we all go there in our, in our minds for a moment? And, and in particular, the, the miracles that Jesus performed. So I want you to go to the boat with me. Do you remember the boat in, in the storm? It, it was going crazy, and the disciples were with Jesus, and they were freaking out. They were like, we're going to die. What's going on? And then well, where was Jesus at in the story? Anybody remember? He was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. So they go, and they get Jesus like, Jesus, wake up. Like, do you not know what's going on? What's happening? And Jesus wakes up, and he goes, uh, storm, stop it. And what did the storm do? It stopped. Wow. Wouldn't that be cool if you know we could do something like that or, or, or how about how about feeding the 5,000 you, you remember that particular story they, they were overwhelmed with this crowd and all they had was a few fish and a few pieces of bread and, and Jesus was like boom and there was a lot right uh, uh, life group leaders are you with me on that one like you got some family show up and you got 17 burgers you're like Lord I need 25 
come on, let's do this. Right? How cool would that be to have that ability? Or, or how about this one? Y'all remember Lazarus? Remember that story? Good friend of Jesus dies. Jesus shows up on the scene and he's like, hey, Lazarus, come out. Wow. I've often thought in my ministry how awesome that would be if I walked up to a grieving family that just lost a loved one and I said, come on out of there. Or, or maybe there's somebody that's ill. You know, I remember Jesus heals the lame and the sick and the blind and you just lay your hands on them and say, stand up, be healed. Wouldn't, wouldn't, that, be, wouldn't that be cool? You see, in our minds, we have to go back on the pages of Scripture to, to, to be there, to, to see all that take place. But, but there were people that witnessed that in person. I'm speaking of the disciples. They were with him every step of the way. They saw all this take place. They, they saw these miracles happen. And, and here's some conjecture. I want, to be, I want to be clear in that. I don't think we see anywhere in Scripture where the disciples, they approach Jesus and they're like, hey, uh, uh, teach me how to make uh, you know, lots of bread. Or, or, or Jesus, teach me how to do this or that. But you, you know what they did ask Jesus? They, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. You, you see, I believe as they were following Jesus, they, they recognized the strong relationship between Jesus' time alone with the Father praying and the power that he possessed. I think they saw that connection. I think they understood it. I, I want to go to the Gospels. I, I want you to go with me in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. We're going to read 28 and 29. This is the story of the demon-possessed boy. It says, Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. You see, church, there's going to be something on the screen. It says there's power in prayer. Do you believe that this morning? Well, I'm going to have to ask that again. Do you believe that this morning, church? That there is power in prayer. And these disciples got to see Jesus get alone with God the Father and pray, spend time with him, and then power. They got to see it. They understood it. It, it was acted out in front of them. So I believe they had a firm grasp that, man, everything that Jesus is doing is a direct result of the time he spent with God through prayer. There's power in, in prayer. And if you're a skeptic this morning, let's look again at Scripture. James chapter 5, verse 16. We're going to read from the NIV version here. It says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You see, the disciples knew it. And James, he knew it. And so many characters in Scripture, they knew it. That this close communion that, that they had with the Father was a direct result in, in, in power. That they had power when they spent time with God. And that a righteous person, that, that means somebody that's with God, has power in their prayer life. 
Now you may believe it. You may have even had that phrase, you know, power in prayer written down, maybe on your mirror as you're getting dressed in the morning, maybe on a coffee mug, or, or, or maybe it's in your car as you're driving down Interstate 30 going to work, right? There's power in prayer. God, help us all. We, we, we all have heard it. We all believe it. But I want to ask the question, if we know that there's power in prayer, how come we don't pray enough? If we know that there's power in prayer, why is there a room full of people that go, I, I could do better? Again, this is not a guilt. This is to get us thinking. If we know there's power in it, why do we struggle to pray? Why is it so hard for the people of God to approach God in and through prayer? There's going to be something on the screen. I want you to write this down. I want you to remember it. That prayer is tough. We don't pray enough along the journey because it's spiritual warfare. Prayer is spiritual warfare. I said it in a Baptist church. There is spiritual warfare. Do you believe that? It's okay for us to say that as a church. Because there is God, there is an evil force, and his name is Satan. We've, we've got to come to grips with that. There is spiritual warfare taking place. There's somebody that does not want you to follow God. His name is Satan, and he hates it when you pray. He can't stand it. There is spiritual warfare. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, writes this. He says, consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. There's something going on. There's spiritual warfare happening. We struggle to commune and to talk and to pray with God because there is a force that does not want us to. And we've got to understand that this morning. Do you remember in Ephesians chapter 6, the, the armor of God illustration? Do y'all remember that? I'm going to test and see how long you've been in church. Do you remember the, the felt board back in the day? Do you remember little Timmy going over and put the helmet on the guy? Do you, you remember that? The, the illustration of God's people putting on the armor of God, the helmet, the shield, the sword, the shoes, all that good stuff. Well, here's where I think we're at this morning, church. We've got a lot of people that are fully dressed for battle, but they never go in. They never fight. They're fully dressed. They come to church. They've got the knowledge. They, maybe they have the passion, but, but they never act in battle. They, they never do anything with it. I'm going to plead the case that prayer is the battle. Prayer is where the fight takes place. And we got a lot of soldiers that look really good that aren't fighting at all. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, pray in the Spirit at all times. This is right after we get the illustration of the armor. It says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. You'll see the military words and persistence. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Prayer is battle. And there is a big question. Are you losing the battle? You see, if Satan can keep you prayerless, he can keep you powerless. And that's right where he wants you. It's right where he wants you. You see, there's a battle going on. There's a battle for your soul. There, there, there's a battle taking place. Are you going to lose that battle? There's going to be a question, and, and I really want honest 
honest self-evaluation. It's going to be on the screen. Write this down. What keeps you from praying? What have you allowed in your life that's taking time between you and God? What I did not do in this moment is I, I did not, in my notes, make a, an exhaustive list, because it would have been just that exhaustive, of everything that gets in our way. Everything that Satan is using to win the battle in our prayer life. But what I want you to do in this moment is I want you to be really honest with yourself right now. What is taking the time in your life? Is it technology? Is it social media? Is it your, your cell phone? Is that the first thing you look at when you wake up in the morning, the last thing that you look at before you go to bed? Is it, is it a busy schedule? i got to get the kids here, and, and, and i got to take care of this, and i got to do this, and i got to do that. And, and there's, there's no time spent with God. I want you to make that list. I want you to fill in the blanks of everything that is taking up precious time that you could be spending with God. And those things that you write there, that's what Satan's using to win the battle over your prayer life. And then we've got to make the commitment. Once I see it written out, once God has revealed it to me, I've got to do something about it. I've got to make that commitment. I've got to free up time. I've got to push this aside. I've got to turn my phone off. I've got to spend time with God. The disciples knew it. They saw him ease over here and get by himself and get alone with the Father. And every time he prayed, great power was displayed. Yet we allow Facebook to take up our time. Are you spending time with God? I need you to win those battles, Christian. Do what's necessary to spend time with God. Another question going to be on the screen. We've understood its power. We see that. We know that. How do I pray? How do I do this? How do I pray along the journey? How do I, how do I, how do, I do this? Perhaps this is for you. Now, 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 some of you may be thinking, I'm going to get, I'm going to, uh, two, two phases here. Some of you may be following Jesus for a long time. This question's for you, too. Some of you might be just starting out on your, on your journey with Jesus. This, this question's for you. But for so many of us, uh, prayer has been oversimplified into the, the people of God just asking things of him. And I want to say that's not necessarily wrong. We see in Scripture all the time where it says, take it before him, take it before him, take it before him, and, and that's fine. But there's so much more. Listen, there's so much more to your prayer life than just asking God for things. There's so much more, and we're going to talk about it. John chapter 15, verse 7. I want you to go there with me. John chapter 15, verse 7. This is Jesus teaching. He says, but if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Jesus does something right here. It's very subtle. And many, many, many times we gloss over it and we miss it. 
Too many times we go to the back half of this verse and we say, Jesus just said, ask for anything and it'll be given, right? Anybody heard that? Anybody believe that from time to time? Like He just says, ask and it'll be given. Well, you've forgotten, you've forgotten the whole first part of the verse where, where Jesus says, abide in me. Let my word abide in you. Then ask. Then ask. What Jesus is saying in this moment, I, I want to clear this up. Jesus is saying, you need to be spending so much time with me that you stop praying what you want and you start praying what I want. When you start praying what I want, I'll give you everything. That's what Jesus says. Spend time with me. First, spend time with me. Get alone with me. Abide in me. Let my word fill your heart. When we've reached that point, your desires then become his desires, and he'll freely give it all. That's what he wants out of you. Prayer is about being with God and being with him in such a way that you are praying the sovereign will of God over your life going to be a, a quote on the screen. I don't want you to freak out. We're going to explain it, okay? Prayer doesn't change God's mind. It changes yours. Did y'all catch this? God is sovereign. What that means is God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's the man. God is not dependent upon Luke's prayer in the morning to figure out what he's going to do with my life. He's he's not saying, "I, I wish Luke would wake up and just ask something of me so I can do something in his life. That, that wouldn't be much of a God at all, would it? He would be dependent upon me, and that's not God. He's sovereign. What God is saying is, I wish Luke would wake up, get alone with me, so he would see what I have planned for him. That's what God's saying. Get alone with me. Abide in me. Then you'll know what I want out of you. Then you'll know what I want for your life. Then you'll see my plan for your life start to unfold. Our our prayers, they don't change his mind. They, They change ours. It changes our mind in such a way that we start to get in tune with what he's doing. And that's a beautiful thing. It shouldn't freak you out at all. So when the disciples, let's go back to the beginning, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, this is Jesus' famous response in this moment. Many of you might know it as the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. If you're a new believer or you're somebody who's been following Jesus a long time and this has not been something you've spent a lot of time in, I want you to dog ear this page in your Bible. I want you to highlight it. I want you to go here often, Matthew chapter 6, 7 through 13. They just posed the question, Jesus, teach us how to pray. This is his response. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. So pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins, 
as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. What Jesus does here in this moment is he recognizes God is it. You are holy. You've got it all. And then what does he say? Your will be done. Then he makes the request. God, you are it, and your will be done. It is a beautiful example. And I want to go to another example. It won't be on the screen, but it's one of my favorite examples in Scripture of Jesus praying. I want to take us to the night before he was crucified. Do y'all remember that scene? Scripture says that Jesus removed himself about a stone's throw away from the disciples. He's understanding that the plan of God is unfolding in front of his life. He, he understands that he's about to be crucified. But do you remember what he prayed in this moment? Jesus, in this moment, the Son of God, who knew he had to be crucified, he still prayed, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass over me. But not my will, but yours be done. Y'all remember that? Wow. Jesus knew God's plan. And I believe with all my heart, in this moment, Jesus was praying so passionately, said he sweated drops of blood. He was praying so intently, not to change God's mind, but for him to be okay with what God had willed, with what God had planned. In a sense, he was psyching himself up. For what had to be done. Jesus prayed if there's any other way. But if there's not. Your will be done. What a powerful example. Of praying the sovereign will of God over our life. That God's will had already started to unfold for him. But he says your will be done. The last example that I want us to look at concerning this is using Hezekiah. So I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 37. Isaiah chapter 37. As you're turning there, I want to give some background as to what's happening here so that this makes sense. There's a lot there. We can't read it all, so I want to summarize it for you. What's happening here is because the people of God have omitted prayer from their life, they're, they're reaping what they've sown. They're, they're up against some destruction. And the king of Assyria is threatening to wipe God's people off the face of the planet. Scripture says that, that there's, there's never been a, a society, there's never been a nation that he has not conquered. He was a bad dude. And, and he was outside the city walls. And he was like, I, I'm, I'm coming in there and I'm going to kill you. Your God's not God at all. And he makes all these bold threats and these bold claims. Isaiah the prophet prophesied. He said, the, uh, the Lord your God is, is not going to put up with what you're saying. God's going to make the king of Assyria uh, leave. He's not going to attack at all. And when he leaves, I'm going to have him killed in his homeland. That's what God says. It's pretty awesome. You need to read it. It's a really cool story. So God, being God, starts to unfold this plan in front of his nation, in front of Hezekiah. 
Hezekiah sees it. Scripture says that, yeah, the king received a letter from the homeland, and he, he, he packs up camp, and he starts to leave. He starts to go back home. He's, he's not going to attack. But before he starts the retreat, he writes this letter to Hezekiah. He says, hey, I've got to go, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to kill you. Wow. Now, in this moment, Hezekiah had already seen that God was doing what he said he would do. But this letter finds its way to Hezekiah, and that's where we're going to pick up in the story. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 14. said, after Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this before the Lord. For the sake of time, we're not going to read the prayer, but I encourage you, in your own time, read this prayer that he prayed. It's powerful. So Hezekiah, in this moment, he, he, he takes this letter and he, he presents it in front of God. God has already started to unfold his plan. But Hezekiah being, hey, I, I'm seeing that some things are happening that you said w- would happen, but just in case... Here's what's happening, Lord, and he, and he presents it in front of the Lord, and he, and he prays. Skip down to verse 21. It says, Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah, the prophet Isaiah. He says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Church, I want you to read that out loud. What does it say? Because you prayed. As we read this morning, God hears God had already started to unfold this plan, but Hezekiah lays it in front of God's feet and he prays over it. Now, to to sum up the story, let's jump down to verse 36 and 38, or through 38. It says, uh, that night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. One day while he was worshiping in the temple of his god Nishrach, his sons killed him. Did y'all see that? God's plan took place. God's plan unfolded. In that moment, he allowed Hezekiah to jump in about what was happening in front of his life. Hezekiah approached him. And he laid out this letter, these threats, this death threat in front of God. And he said, hey, you're God. You're going to do with it what you're going to do with it. I see that you're already moving, but but God, please intervene. God, God, do what you are going to do. And God said, watch. And he took care of it. Church, do you believe that God's going to take care of you? That was weak. Do you believe that God is going to take care of you? Here's what I want to do with a, a little illustration. I use legal pads, and I know what you're thinking. We live in the age of iPads, Luke. Come on, get a grip. I like these things, okay? And I've got a file cabinet full of them. I, I write out sermon notes. I, I write out notes or, or, or doctor's appointments or, or, or phone numbers. What's going on in your life, prayer requests? Like, my life is on legal pads. So you, you just need to imagine with me that your life is written on legal pads, Okay? And here's what God wants out of us in our prayer life. I'm going to take it easy down these stairs. 
Here's what God wants out of us. I want to simplify your prayer life. God is simply asking, be with me and pray my will. Be with me and pray my will. Just like Hezekiah did when he received that letter, he received the threat of his life in that letter. He took the pages and he laid it in front of God. So this is what we need to do. Uh, imagine, church, these steps. This is not the temple of God. This is a building in Benton, okay? There's nothing special about these stairs for illustration purposes. This is what we do. We, 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 we take our life. We say, God, my marriage is in trouble. Your will be done. God, my spouse may not live much longer. Your will be done. God, I don't know what's next for me. I don't know what you want out of my work. I don't know where I should go, what I should do, but your will be done. God, I've been praying a long time for my child to come to know Christ. Your will be done. All God wants us to do is take the pages of our life and lay it in front of him and say, your will be done. I don't want to oversimplify prayer, but I think sometimes we need to oversimplify things for us to get it. God is saying, be with me. Abide in me so much that the things that you ask are the things that I want for you. Take the situation in your life, whatever it may be, and lay it before the feet of God and say, your will be done. Church, there's power in prayer. God desperately wants his children to talk to him. It's crucial for your journey. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings. Instruction that we heard this morning can be tough to hear. We, we've all admitted that perhaps our prayer life is not quite what it could be because there's an opposing force that doesn't want us to pray, God. Help us uh, to win those battles in our life so that we can make time for you, that we can make time for close communion with you in prayer. And God, help us to pray your will over every circumstance in our life. Not necessarily to change the circumstance, because we know that you can. But to help us get on board with what you're doing in our life. Help us, God, to trust you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask everything in his precious and holy name.
Amen. Church, we, um, we believe that prayer is crucial to our faith. We believe that it's an, an opportunity to worship the Lord individually and corporately. And so we try to make it a point each week to, to proclaim to you that we're not just worshiping when we are singing songs, but we're worshiping as we listen to the Word of God preached. We're worshiping as we hear God's Word read aloud in the company of our brothers and sisters. And now we're going to dedicate some significant time to worshiping the Lord as we corporately lift our hearts and minds to God in prayer. And so we want to do that now. We've got a couple of a few different things specifically we're going to pray about, and I'm going to start us off. And if you need to just listen to these words and allow them to pour over you and, and attune your heart and mind to them specifically, do that. If you need to offer up your own cry for help to the Lord on the topic of what we're praying, then do that. We want you to join us as we worship the Lord together now in these next few moments of prayer. Father in heaven, I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters. I'm thankful for their devotion to you and their commitment to the relationship they have with Jesus, to this local church all for your praise and for the benefit of one another in the seats next to them. God, I'll confess before you that of, of the disciplines you've given us to grow in our faith, prayer is the most challenging for me. And I don't know if it is for others in this room, but whether they have a vibrant mature, strong prayer life or whether their prayer life like mine is anemic and poor. God, we pray that you would grow in us a desire to spend time with you. If that means that it has to feel a lot more like a discipline, we pray that our desire to be obedient to you would trump what we think we're supposed to feel in these moments of prayer with you until your Holy Spirit begins to work in our hearts and grow us. I guess all in all I pray that what we say would be true when we say you're enough. You're enough. We can find all our satisfaction and need met. We abide in Jesus. Allow your spirit to minister to our hearts and then to speak on our behalf back to you, Father. Grow us, we pray, in prayer. In Luke's message, he made reference to the passage of Scripture about Lazarus and his passing. And we learn from that text and that lesson that through those circumstances of loss, 
that even Jesus himself experienced the hurting and the grieving of the loss of a friend. That is something that we very well know and understand as part of life is the passing of loved ones and friends. Even within our congregation here within the last few days, we have had those families that have lost loved ones and they're hurting and they're grieving. And each one of us looking back perhaps days farther back have experienced and understand as well. And so the Lord makes himself available to the grieving and to the hurting and he invites us to come to him and to experience and to share in what he has prepared for us to meet our needs in that specific time of trouble. Father, as we come before your throne and as we bring our hurts, our griefs, our sorrows and we lift up those, Lord, that are grieving and those that are experiencing the hurts of loss of friends and family. Lord, we thank you for your provision of all things in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the hope that is ours because of his work, his victory over death and the grave and the resurrection. And we thank you, Lord, that you extend your grace to us so that through your grace we can come to know your peace, your comfort, and your strength. So, Lord, as we lay our petitions out before your throne, we ask today that, Lord, comfort our hearts, strengthen our faith, encourage us with the hope that you have prepared for us and may we be able to lift up Jesus' name and give praise and thanks to him even in our time of loss because you've made provision for us. It's in his name that we make our request. As Psalms chapter 80, verses 18 and 19 say, Revive us so we can call on your name once more. Turn us again to yourself, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Church, your students on Wednesday nights are going through a series called Revival. And that's our heart, that's our prayer. As Nick leads them through that, as we go through the word of God, that our students would experience revival, that they would come to know Christ, to come experience God and make life-changing decisions for Christ. We're praying for that, we're asking for that, and ask you guys to join us in that as well. For our students be changed forever and students in this county in our church in our state nation world to be changed forever also this wednesday there's an event called see you at the pole that's taking place all over the nation where students all over will gather at their flagpole before school starts this wednesday and pray pray for their school their faculty and students and we invite you and encourage your kids your grandkids to be there And may we experience students all over turning to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, God, asking you, begging you, laying it down before the throne that you would bring revival to students. 
God, there are students who are struggling, who are hurting, who are looking for all kinds of answers that the world is throwing at them, God. May they turn to you. May they find you. May they find truth in your word. And may you pour your spirit out, God, that students would be bold. They would take steps to live for you, to help their friends find and follow you. That students all over would worship you and you alone, God. We ask for that. We pray for that revival. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. How many of you believe God still saves? He does. Just a few days ago, Pastor Keaton was able to lead a gentleman to the Lord just right back here in the office. He does. You know, I got I to gotta make things simple. They just connect with me. And some of you may have heard this before, but if we had the cure to cancer, man, we wouldn't keep it. Lostness. A life without Christ, death on this earth without Christ is the ultimate disease. Believer, follower, you have the answer. We said earlier, we we believe in the power of prayer. I don't know about you, but I get guilty a lot of the times of, of, this is not bad, this is good and it's a must, but I, I pray for those inside my four walls at my address, my home, my children, their salvation, which is a must. But man, we get out, we leave our home, and, and we get some of those distractions that Pastor Luke spoke about. That we, we lose focus, at least I do, when I get out and about. Who has God put in your life, in your day-to-day, in your routine? He has you there for a purpose. You have the answer for the sickness, the ultimate sickness, for those that you come in contact with daily. So let's pray for the lost. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. First and foremost, grateful. You Lord, your son. You sent him to a fallen world, lived a perfect life. And even into the moments leading up, he said, God, Father, I'll do it. I'll do it. But if it can pass over me, that's okay too. But you sent your perfect son to sacrifice for us for our sins. Dear Lord, I, th- I think us as believers, as your church, we, we have to grasp just the weight of that. Dear Lord, the, 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 the passion for it, the conviction for it, uh, I, I think we tend to lose it past the moment of our salvation, when we, that moment we place our faith in you. Dear Lord, it, this world gets loud. May the gospel continually penetrate our hearts. Continue to transform us. Continue to light that fire. I don't know about the ones underneath my voice, but when I 
placed my faith in you in that moment. It was early a.m.s of the morning, and I don't care who I woke up, I was calling them to tell them. May that passion just burn in us. Dear Lord, we're soldiers. We've heard there this morning that, that prayers are our, our, our battlefield. I think as a church, a lot of times we get good at saying things. Lord, I pray that the soldiers get to work. In the Great Commission, you tell us that you're with us. <laughs> you're with us. Lord, may that just embolden us. May that just empower us to just go. Lord, that our hearts would break for the lost, that we would share the gospel, that we would get intentional with it, dear Lord, that, that we wouldn't just pray generally for it, dear Lord, that you would put specific names on the hearts of those that pray that prayer. Coworker, family member, cashier at the same store they go to every, every day. Whoever that may be, dear Lord, that, that we would get intentional with your gospel, the good news, the ultimate cure, dear Lord, and just put those people in our past that you would have us to share it with, dear Lord, and our missionaries that are worldwide, same for them. You put people in their path, and dear Lord, that we would go to battle, that we would pray for the lost, that we would be convicted and burdened by it that we can't hold it in, we share your gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.